What is up, everybody? It's been a while. It is going to be uh, just me solo today. Maddie's on a, a business trip, you might say. He's out in the world helping people, you know, starving children, stuff like that. But, uh, you know, the off-season waits for no man, so fuck him. No, I'm just kidding, Matt. Come home. But anyway, I'll be covering and uh, updating everybody on what in the world's been going on this off-season. And it, uh, it's still slow, but... Eh. You know, we'll take what we can get. It's been a kind of a steady drip, kind of a slow burn so far. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to episode four of the Inside the Park podcast. I'm Murph. Fuck it. And uh, most people call me Murph. Uh, it'll be me solo today. Matt's uh, out in the world, as you heard earlier. And uh, we got a lot of shit to cover, honestly, though. So, you know, it'll be a little less banter and a little more of my, you know, sultry notes. But, you know, fuck it. Anyway, here we go. So we've got on the docket Dodgers Reds trade went down. Holy shit. Along with that, we've got the uh, Corey Kluber news. Not, nothing big, but the Reds are sniffing at him, too. In the back of my mind, I think the Reds are actually ready to turn it up and take it. You know, they're, I think Cincinnati itself is, all right, like, okay, we're wasting a Hall of Fame first baseman's skill. This is getting annoying. Joy Votto, one of my favorite players, I wouldn't be surprised if he's kind of voiced his concerns and said, guys, I'm like 36, 35 years old. Let's get it going. And the Reds are kind of kicking it into gear in a way that I enjoy because they're really not they're not hanging any anchors around their necks. A lot of short deals they've picked up. Gave away a little talent, but they've got a deep system from all, from all that losing they're so good at. And uh, I think the Reds might actually be in a real heavy NL Central. The, Met, the Reds might actually be taking a look at uh, trying to win some ball games. So... Along with that, we've got Andrew Miller to the Cardinals. Like we said, NL Central stacked. We knew this. It's going to be fun. The NL East and the NL Central are fucking loaded. And it's there's going to be a lot of good ball games. needless to say. And uh, let's see. Aside from that, we've got Domingo Santana to the Mariners for Ben Gamble. And uh, not to mention, the, we'll wrap it up with the Machado visits for the Yanks and the Phils. Two of the, two of the big dogs that are sniffing after... One of the best third basemen I've ever seen, honestly, who apparently wants to play shortstop. So, uh, you know, let's kick things off with the Dodgers and Reds. A lot of names, seven different players moving around, a little cash. Things get a little interesting. But whenever the Dodgers are involved in a trade, kind of like the Rays, kind of like the Cardinals, and a lot like the Yankees, yeah, it's hard to win those trades. I know everyone says this is a slam dunk for the Reds, but I think the Dodgers... Andrew Friedman is a real smart cookie. That dude doesn't do anything without spending like a month just mulling it over. So anyway, so it's it's Kemp, your friend Puig, Alex Wood, and catcher Kyle Farmer plus some cash going to the Reds for Homer Bailey, pure salary dump, and two prospects: Jeter Downs, who will slide in nicely at number seven for the uh, for the Dodgers. And uh, Josiah Gray, who I'm not really sure where he is. I think he's in the 19, 20 range for the Dodgers now. Dodgers have a pretty good system because, despite being a big market team, they're always playing the long game, just like the Yanks. They're always they can, they they're stacking the farm system while having the flexibility to make any move they want. And 
that puts you in a that's you know that puts you in the World Series two years in a row. Yes, they haven't won, but once you get to the playoffs, it's a crapshoot, guys. So, I mean, they know what they're doing. So, we know Puig, stud, one year deal, and when he feels kind of kind of like a a little bit of that Cespedes, when he feels like playing, he can be the best bat on your team. Still got some wheels. One of the top three arms probably in baseball. I think we can all agree. And uh, the athleticism to play center, though no 250-pound man that looks like that should ever be allowed to play center field. It's He's a freak. Good on him. Anyway, and Kemp, Matt Kemp, one of the few players in the MLB that has over 150 steals and 150 home runs, the others being like Kutch and Braun. I, I can't remember, but those two guys, you know, he was five to a player that uh, aged real poorly. You know, got a lot of money, moved to the Padres, Braves, bounced around, and then finally proved he could still swing it when he went back to the Dodgers. So those two are actually going to be real parts of their lineup, I think, unless, you know, unless Puig gets, decides he misses L.A., which I think is a real possibility. And maybe he's not a big Ohio guy. And uh, Kemp, on the other hand, could just continue to age, and that, that could get ugly. But, um... Along with those two, you got yourself Alex Wood, who is a honestly a real nice left-handed pitcher. Alex Wood is uh, one of the winningest pitchers in the last two seasons, or since two yeah since the beginning of 2017. The dude's winning 70 plus percent of his games, and yes, he's playing on a real good team, but he's winning games. He gets the job done. Ground ball guy, sinker guy, you know, classic kind of sneaky lefty with not a lot of cheddar on the ball. But I think it's a good pickup for a Reds team with a lot of young arms that, you know, they need a guy. He's not that old, but he's been on a team with Clayton Kershaw, Zach Greinke. He he knows how to show these guys what in the world they're doing. So, you know, I, I feel like this guy, the Reds, like I said earlier, I think the Reds are shifting gears and they're no longer in, they're, they're not breaking it down. They're, they're in that little in-between spot where, you know, they're, they got their eyes set on free agency. You know, there's a couple, there's a couple studs out there, obviously, and uh, you got Nolan Arenado on the horizon. So I think this is a team with a chock full of infielders. So Nolan maybe doesn't fit, but you know, you'd find a spot for Nolan Arenado if they were interested. But uh, chock full of infielders and a talented pitching staff that's just not there yet. And you know, they've dealt with some injury bugs. They just locked up Rossell Iglesias. I think the kid is uh that guy's filthy and i think the reds in general are ready to you know become a bit of a problem for the pirates cubs you know cardinals and in what might be the deepest division in baseball so i like what the reds are doing i know and i'm but i liked what the dodgers did too let's take a look at the prospects we've got jeter downs first off great name it's a baller name Younger guy, but a 32nd round pick just just a year ago in 2017. He was currently the seventh overall prospect for the Dodgers. That's about where he slides in. Not a big body, 5'11", 180, but could put on a little weight, which could slide him off a shortstop. But played an okay shortstop. Surprised people with how well he played short. Good frame, athlete, with a surprising amount of pop. Again, for the 5'11 frame, he's had a seven over a 750 OPS. He had 23 doubles and 13 dingers. And we're talking about a guy under 6 foot and under 190. I mean, you know, those numbers are going to move around because he's probably 19 years old. But I think they might have a nice little piece there. I think in my mind I picture him as a minimum Chris Taylor. If he moves off short, suddenly if you don't lock it in at second, third, wherever, maybe you slide out into the outfield if you can move a little, you know, you become that Chris Taylor kind of Dodgers perfect player where they just – 
you find yourself in the lineup five out of seven games and four of those games you're playing a different position so I think he's the athlete that could do that and like like we were talking about surprising pop and even though he's only got about average foot speed I think they give him a 50 grade on baseball America or MLB.com whichever one it was the uh, kid swiped 37 bags so he's at least got some idea of what he's doing and he's for sure aggressive which I think there's a spot for that on every team every team needs a couple of those guys that are just going to push it just trying to take that first to third on a base hit into the outfield so I think it's a good pickup Josiah Gray on the other hand 6'1 190 a little more of a finished product physically to me when I take a look at him the frame the shoulders are a little more filled out he's not doesn't have that long lean look it's kind of you know everything's starting to round out there's not as much projection physically which makes sense because he's throwing 91 to 95 touching a little over 95 when he really reaches back and probably if he came out of the bullpen he'd be sitting 96 but uh I think uh, I think the kid projects as a fourth three four kind of starter. It reminds me a little bit of Justin Dunn in the Justin in the Mariners trade with the Mets. A uh, now that I think back, similar frames. I think Dunn's a little bit slighter. I think uh, I think Gray's a little more filled out, and but similar fastballs and kind of the same sort of three pitch repertoire. The third one is kind of they're finding it. You know, a little bit of that let it go tumble change up that he'll figure out. But I think it's a good pickup for the Dodgers, and I think it's something that, uh, you know, with their analytics, with their commitment to being on the, you know, the newest, the greatest, the cutting edge, I think they'll turn him into something. I think it's a good pickup considering you had to give up a couple outfielders, which, now let's get down to business. This is this, you know, everyone saw it immediately, but this is the move behind the move you know this is that Andrew Friedman level that Tampa Bay Ray intelligence that he brings that kind of the Ray intelligence is what I'm talking about is the ability to make something with very little the Rays obviously work under a very tight restrictive uh, payroll but when Andrew Friedman I think former assistant GM moved out to LA he brought that mentality of you know making the most out of what you got and with that mentality, he now brings, you know, he mixes it with that L.A. Dodgers, that Magic Johnson, that, you know, that bankroll that he's he got money to spend. So now you got a creative guy who really knows how to turn a dollar into something special. You com- you combine that, you know, with that amount of payroll. And this is what you get is a guy that's making moves, moving money, moving cash wherever it's needed to clear payroll. And he's really kind of like in the NBA flexibility is extremely important to him even though this isn't technically a hard cap league every freaking team treats it like a hard cap when you got to pay a 20 percent tax if you break 206 million which obviously is a number you know it's moving around based on growth and all that crap so for in the in the long run i know everyone's giving the reds a big dub but the dodgers they just lowered their payroll I think they dropped it at 17.5 mil for coming into 2019. And they moved two outfielders who deservedly had starting roles. And now everyone's itching and talking about Bryce. And Bryce to L.A. just makes a lot of sense. I mean, it makes a lot of sense for many reasons. The the money, the fact that Bryce... Unlike Manny's a stud, Bryce is a stud. Both of them you know, Hall of Fame players, if they just maintain what they've done career average-wise over the next, you know, eight years. But uh, but Bryce brings that box office level that Manny doesn't. You know, Manny 
puts guys in the seats. He's that I love him when he's on my team guy, even though you know he's a little, he's a little shaky. He's kind of a dick. Red Sox fans not a big fan, but <laughs> he would. I'll tell you what though, Manny. If I could put Manny on the Yankees, I would because I would love love to watch those Yankee Sox games. There is not enough venom in those games anymore. Those used to be important. Those used to matter. And I really want to start like I've. There needs to be. A, more hate <laughs> i know that you know we love everyone i agree but the yankees red sox rivalry used to get people up in the morning get you through your day it's like monday night football kind of shit and that's manny would put that would put the uh put the buzz back in the uh the red sox yankees rivalry so yeah anyway getting back to bryce dodgers cut to got rid of two outfielders dropped the payroll 17 and a half now they're at, sitting at about 185 total you know, depending on where arbitration breaks down, I don't know if they've signed all their players yet to uh to their you know designated deals, but they're about 21 under the threshold. If Friedman wants, he can figure out how to get Bryce in there. My gut's telling me that's a no. I I put it like this: if I had to give it a percentage, I would put it at I'd give Bryce about like a high 30s percent to go to the Dodgers low 40s Andrew Friedman just doesn't feel like the kind of guy who's handing out 10 year three plus million hundred million dollar deals but I will tell you if he can figure out kind of a Yoenis Cespedes style thing that the Mets gave him where it's like high AAV and all that the annual value you give him that high those first three you know they pay him till he's 29 you know, and then you let you give him that Stanton opt out, where he gets to bail. But Friedman would hook it up better than the Marlins. The Marlins were like, "Just please don't leave us, please." But the Jesus Christ, fuck the Marlins. Anyway, so whatever. Sorry, this is just an emotional thing. They just wasted an MVP and then just handed him the fucking Yankees. Anyway, um, if the if the Dodgers can work out a deal with Bryce where he is tempted to cut bait. Stanton was never going to cut bait. You just he was never going to get that much money later, especially when it's that backloaded. The Dodgers though might be able to front, you know, 20, you know, hit almost hit that cap, stake under it and then give him a 40 and a 40 or something like that where he's getting his money and then on the back end he looked now he reaches that point where he's got like 6 7 years left at an average annual value of like 25 mil because they gave him 40 and 40 you know bang out about 100 up front and now Bryce is you know Scott Boris specifically but Bryce too is thinking like I could bail now at 29 and sign another you know for another 250 you know 260 maybe you know maybe close to three again because he's 29 you know he's got eight nine ten years and if you know if he's Albert Pujols he's gonna he could sign a stupid deal because he's you know two three years younger than Pujols was when he signed that insane deal with the Angels. So my point is, I think Andrew Friedman can do this if he got creative. So it comes down to how creative Boris is willing to be, or if he's not willing to play that game, if he's not willing to do that Trevor Bauer, or at least how Trevor Bauer's talking a big game about signing kind of that LeBron one year at the max, one year at the max, one year at the max. Trev, that's a dangerous game as a pitcher. You're you got a time bomb in your arm because that's how you make your money is by physically stressing tendons in your arm that are not and ligaments that are not built. <laughs> they are built to do this, but not at this repetition and at, not at this level. And just statistically, 
every pitcher gets hurt at some point. If you're, you know, when you look at the, as far as group think goes, you know, if you looked at the large percentage of pitchers will get hurt at some point. So does Trevor Bauer think he's the guy that won't get hurt and can work that deal? Bryce, on the other hand, position player, maybe they kind of, you know, play with the idea of that short, big money, short, big money, you know, and it's just, it's about him as far as Bryce. And it's kind of puts the ball in Bryce's court to not have that 2018, you know, mental sort of, he feels the weight of the world. If he thinks he can shake that and he can put up like a 2016 season, that's, you know, he could be looking at 40 a year if he's signing one, two year deals. So, you know, like I said, depends on how creative the Dodgers want to get. And if it's not the Dodgers, I see, oh, well, I'll get to that after, get to that after. Okay. Item, item number two, which I talked about just a touch was Corey Kluber. And the Reds, again, I know that this didn't get a lot of flack, and it didn't come up too much. It came up, you know, here and there. And it was just kind of one of those things where Kluber had so many, there were so many names thrown around that when Kluber finally was brought up and then the Reds with as, as like a possible landing spot, it didn't make sense. This trade makes that make a little more sense because if the Reds are taking on payroll, you know, to uh, to make the team better, and they've been so low because of all the young guys, and you know, taking taking a lot of losses, that doesn't lead to a very high payroll. So if the Reds feel that they can take on some payroll, Kluber at seventeen and a half a year for the next three, they'll eat all that, and they'd have to give up. But you know, the, the names getting thrown around include, you know, Nick Senzel, a uh, you know, bona fide top ten prospect anywhere you look. And uh, Taylor Trammell, apologize if I'm not saying that right, an outfielder, Taylor, uh, another athlete and uh, bona fide top 50 wherever you look. So these guys are legit, and I, I don't see it taking both unless it's both wipe your hands, deal done, and the Indians maybe throw in something else, you know? But, like, I don't see two top 50s for Kluber. I, don't, I see it being one of the two. In my mind, it's Senzel, but... If I'm the Indians, I push for Taylor Trammell and I'll say like, okay, you can keep your big guy, keep your number one, keep uh, you know, keep Senzel with his uh with his like seventy grade bat. Kid can rake, but um, give me uh Jonathan uh, India. I I love that kid. Love Jonathan India. Wanted him bad on the Mets. Mets got Kalenic, you know, flushed that, flipped him. But uh, Jonathan India gives off some serious Alex Bregman vibes to me. And I know Bregman was a shortstop at LSU, moved to third. India's a third slash kind of short, played a little bit, moved. And now the Reds are moving him around, playing at short a little, playing at third. The Reds do this. The Reds move their guys around. Senzel plays second, third, and a little short. And he's getting some looks in the outfield now because his bat's that good. He's a good athlete, strong hands, quick wrists. He, real gap to gap, you know, from right across left gap to right gap, center field, up the middle. If he's spraying liners, spraying doubles. The Reds have got some serious bats. And Jonathan India, like I was saying, with Trammell would be a big deal because Trammell is a uh, very toolsy, 50, 55-grade power, 70-grade run, not a great arm. Doesn't have that raw arm strength, so he's grades out to me like a center fielder, kind of a natural center fielder. But you're not going to see him for a year or two. You know, he's got some serious time to develop still, you know. that And that's that's something the Indians, I think, could afford him. Whereas uh, Senzel would be playing right now. And I don't know if the Indians have a spot for him. India, same boat. They're both looking at like a 2021 call-up. 
India is like a five, looks like a five tool player to me. I'm, I think that kid's going to be the number one prospect on the, uh, on the Reds in, you know, in 12 months, assuming Senzo's called up. I wouldn't shock me at all. I think this kid's for real. Jonathan India, <laughs> I'll put it on the board. That's going to be one of my, uh, one of my big prediction kind of things, which is not a big deal. I mean, the kid went fourth. I'm not like throwing my neck on the line for this kid being the real deal, you know, as the fourth overall pick, obviously. But I think he's, uh, I think he's got it. I think he's going to figure it out. So yeah, if I'm the Indians, I'm dangling Kluber. If I can get Jonathan India and Taylor Trammell, I think that's a fucking steal, especially if they get like a, you know, a starting pitcher in that 10 to 15 range on your prospect list, just as kind of like the, Oh, just a little bit more. And that, if that pushes it over, it's just, it's Christmas. If you can't get him, take those two and run. And I love, I love Corey Kluber after Jacob deGrom, I would probably take Scherzer and then Kluber. And those are my, those three are, and Kluber and Kluber gives off them those like Grinky DeGrom. They're kind of, they give off a similar vibe to me because they're just machines and it feels like they're just not going to lose their shit. You know, it feels like sixth inning, they're up a run and you got second and third and one out. I don't think their heartbeats move an inch. I think Grinky, you know, uh, Grinky DeGrom, and uh, Kluber, I think those guys are just, just machines, and uh, always love a pitcher with their socks up like Kluber too. So, you know, hard to beat. That's, it's pretty fucking great. So last thing on the dock, it's gonna be, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it's gonna be Andrew Miller to the Cardinals. As a Mets fan, this one hurt. I wanted it. I wanted it bad. I'm not gonna lie. Two years and twenty-five. You know, I'm not one of the Will Ponds. I can't do it, but. I'd have sent that, and I think every Mets fan out there would have backed me on it. And uh, I'd say, if I could speak for Matt for a minute, I think Matt's in a similar boat as far as being thinking like, yeah, I would have taken that lefty all day. I think Matt would agree with me that this kid is f- that kid. Excuse me, he's thirty. He's like thirty-six years old. But Andrew Miller is legit. He's filthy. Anyone in the AL East knows it. Anyone who had to play the Indians in the playoffs knows it. He's unreal. He dealt with a lot of injuries in 2018. Appeared in t- it doesn't look as bad. I mean, the numbers, the ERA throws it off, but like when you dig a little deeper, it's even more obvious. He appeared in, let's take a look, 37 games in 2018, which is only 20 under, you know, 20 for a reliever. It's a, like two good, it's like a month and a half. I get it. But 57 games in 2017, 37-2018, you know. It's, it feels close enough to you could compare them a little bit, but the ERA 4.24 in 2018 in 37 games. And what, let me see, 1.44, I believe. Yeah, 1.44 in 2017. Lights out. You dig a little bit deeper, though. You look at the innings, or you look at the appearances. This is where it gets real kind of obvious that he was not himself. 37 games, he pitched 34 innings in 2018. So he was making a couple of those loogie kind of one-out guys, two outs, pull him. He just doesn't feel it. 2017, in 57 appearances, 62 and two-thirds. So he's going extra. He's getting more than an inning on average. That And that was what we saw in the playoffs. That's the Andrew Miller we know is one plus, two, two and a third. Give it to him. He wants to get six, seven, eight, nine outs. He's filthy. And I think, he, uh, I think he'll do good things in the on the Cardinals. And I think uh, those are one of the four or five teams, I think, that is uh, ahead of the curve enough to give him the advantage, even as, you know, Father Time catches up to him. 
I think that slider, I don't even think he needs to worry. I don't think that's a pitch he warms up. I think the fastball, he gets loose, gets the shoulder right, starts hitting his corners. You know, works on that fastball up and in. I'd be, I'd be willing to bet he doesn't throw that slider until he's on the mound throwing those 7-8 warm-up pitches. Just bang, bang, slider, slider, let's go. That thing's in his back pocket. So, you know, even in old, even if he gets older, he could still be a filthy lefty specialist. But I see him bouncing back. I think he'll have a good year if he's healthy, if that knee holds up. He's a big man, 6'7", over 200. Not a big you, – you look at him, you're like, he's beanpole. But, like, 205, 210, it's in the legs. He's got it. There's a, there's a reason the guy's throwing 97, especially from the left side. That's unfair. So, Card's got him at two years, 25. And I like this pickup by the Card's. Third year counts if he makes 110 appearances between the uh, first two seasons. So, you know, if 2019-2020, he makes 110 plus, third year kicks kicks in. So, you know, praying for health, Andrew. Hope you kill it. I hope you get that third year. And earn your 25, honestly. I'm ready to watch you pitch again. I'm, I'm, I'm like 2017, 2016, Andrew Miller. You know, Yankees, Indians, Andrew Miller. So... Get it together. I'm. I think it's. I think. I think the NL and the AL Central. The AL Central. Ugh. Never mind. Fuck the AL Central. That's the Indians just stomping on a bunch of AAA teams. But the NL Central. <laughs> Apologies, White Sox fans. If you get Manny, awesome. I don't see it. But if uh, the NL Central, I think the Cardinals just made like a you know almost like a move like where they saw the Cubs are kind of bleeding. Like the Cubs are gonna come out nasty because they're like, oh shit, like. We're kind of sitting back, kind of relaxing, kind of still shining that fucking trophy that we won a year ago, more than that. And they uh, they didn't have that urgency. And the Cardinal or and the Cubs are kind of caught up where they're about to have a couple of their best pieces get expensive, so they're not making any big moves, not anything huge. The Cardinals go out, pick up a filthy lefty, maybe a you know, maybe a little bit of an Anthony Anthony Rizzo response, a little bit of a Kyle Schwarber response. Kyle Schwarber doesn't really impress me either. I don't know why they're so in love with him. Love the guy. He seems like a sweetheart, but like, you know, I don't, I don't see it, especially not in the NL. Whatever. Anyway, um, so yeah, love the pickup of the cards. I think the NL Central is getting interesting, especially like we talked about the Reds a lot. This has kind of been an NL Central podcast. The Reds are feeling themselves a little bit, and I wouldn't be not be surprised if they make a move for an Indian starter at all. You know, and if they want to come at Syndergaard, you know, fucking bring a bag of gold, brother. It's going to cost you. But I, like I said, I want to see the Reds. I re- would really like to see the Reds take it to another level and really, like, make the Cubs and Cards sweat a bit. I'd, lo- I'd love to see those three. And then the Pirates are kind of like the Rays where it's like they can never really go all out. You can't make that big baller move at the at the All-Star break or, you know, trade deadline. But, um... But they find a way to win 80 games, 90 games, you know, they'll the 85, 86, they're just, and you're like, who's their best player? Like, fucking Josh Harrison. Like, shit. So, you know, I think the NL Central is going to be fucking fun. So, all right. Last but not least, fucking, uh, we talked about Bryce. Bryce to the Dodgers could make sense. Bryce to the Yankees, I think, is my backup. I, I think that's a possibility because I think, I'm, I don't see Bryce on the Phillies. I don't. I just don't think. I don't think he sees them winning soon enough. And I could totally be wrong. I could whiff on this hard, but I think the. I think the East Coast West Coast. I think they got the advantage, especially the Dodgers, because 
I see them selling the the World Series thing, and you could tip the scale, that kind of deal. The Yankees, same gig, back to back, they go deep in the playoffs, and you know they got a younger, they got an even younger team than the Dodgers. I think the Yankees could, I think Cash is underselling his ability to make the move for Bryce, especially if Bryce, and I think winning means a lot more to Bryce. I think money matters. I think he wants to set the set the fucking watermark for the you know for the new big new big ass fucking contract you know but um i think bryce i think winning matters whereas manny i think money money talks and i don't think he gives a shit if he's winning games i honestly don't i and i i'm if manny signed with the mets i'd buy a fucking jersey but i don't think i think highest bidder is getting manny and i really feel the phillies making that move unless the white Sox blow him out i i I'd put it in mentally. I think it's seventy percent Phils, thirty percent White Sox. I really don't think. I think Cashman cares about how much Manny or Harper care about being on that team. You know, Manny might put on a good face. He might sign with the Yanks because he fucking sells himself well. But to me, Harper, Harper doesn't have to sell himself. You watch him fucking losing his helmet, pushing triples. You know, if you see him going balls out in the outfield he had a bad bad year defensively especially in the drs i know he was in the negatives but um that dude will run through a brick wall for you and that's you know if i had to pick a guy i i'm taking bryce you know 10 out of 10 just because he fucking you know he might choke he might strike out in the playoffs whatever it is but I know, I know he's gonna blow out his shoulder trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark. I know he's gonna bleed from his hands, taking hacks, trying to get his swing just right. And I don't know if I'm getting that from Manny. You know, I just don't see Manny's gonna jog out a ground ball in the World Series. Bryce is gonna blow out a hamstring. So I see Bryce Dodgers Yanks. I see him going for that winning culture, and I'd love it. But you know. Side note, no one wants to see Bryce cut his hair. But that's okay. You know, if he's fucking on the Yanks, it'd be fun. Manny, I see the Phillies, White Sox are that sleeper team. I don't think Manny's a Yankee. I just don't see it. So, all right, guys, that was episode four. It was a ton of fucking fun. I hope you didn't get tired of my voice. You know, hopefully Maddie will be back soon. And to everyone traveling to see family, you know, safe travels. Take it slow and try not to let them drive you crazy, all right? Spring training's coming, guys. We got like 80 days It's until... Oh, that might not be spring training. Is that opening day? Yeah. P- p- fucking pitchers and catches report early February, guys. We're getting there. So, yeah, that was basically an NL Central wrap-up. Uh, you know, you can find us at on Instagram, ITTPod, or Twitter, ITTPod. Please follow. would love it. You know, shout-outs to everyone that follows us. That Honestly, we appreciate the shit out of you. And, uh, you know, uh, ITTPod at Gmail. Send in uh, questions. We've already got a couple questions coming in. We're going to save them up, try and do five, ten at a time, and do a whole, you know, listener question. All That's going to be all one show. So, all right, guys, it's been a ton of fun. Happy holidays. I'm out. Yeah.